0: Decker left the apartment building, crossed the busy street, noticed a passing taxi, and motioned for the driver to meet him around the next corner. There, out of sight from where McKittrick might be watching from his apartment, Decker apologized to the taxi driver, saying that he had changed his mind and wanted to walk a little more. As the driver muttered and pulled away, Decker went back to the corner, but didn't show himself. The café on the corner had windows that faced the main street and the side street. From the side street. Staying out of view as much as possible, Decker could look through the side window, and then the front window, providing himself with a view of McKittrick's apartment building. Sunlight reflecting off the front window would help to make Decker unobtrusive. Sooner than Decker expected, McKittrick emerged from the apartment building. The stocky man drew a hand through his short blonde hair, looked nervously both ways along the street, saw an empty taxi, eagerly hailed it, and got in. While waiting, Decker had needed something to do so he wouldn't appear to be loitering. From a lamp post, he had unchained a motorbike that he had rented. He had unlocked the storage compartment, folded his navy blazer into it, taken out a brown leather jacket and a helmet with a dark visor, and put them on. With his appearance sufficiently changed that McKittrick would not recognize him if he checked for surveillance, Decker started the motorbike and followed the taxi. He wasn't encouraged by the meeting. The problems that he had sensed in McKittrick's reports now seemed more manifest and troubling. It wasn't merely that this was the first time McKittrick had been given a position of authority. After all, if the man was going to have a career, there had to be a first time, just as there had been a first time for Decker. Instead, the source of Decker's unease was that McKittrick was too damned sure of himself, obviously not fully skilled at tradecraft, and yet not humble enough to know his limitations. Before flying to Rome, Decker had already recommended to his superiors that McKittrick be assigned to another, less sensitive operation, but the son of a legend in the profession, OSS, charter member of the CIA, former deputy director of operations, evidently couldn't be shuffled around without the legend demanding to know why his son wasn't being given opportunities for advancement. So Decker had been sent to have a look, to make sure that everything was as it should be. To be a nursemaid, Decker thought. He followed the taxi through congested traffic, eventually stopping as McKittrick got out near the Spanish steps. Decker quickly chained the motorbike to a lamppost and went after him. There were so many tourists that McKittrick should have been able to blend with them, but his blonde hair, which ought to have been dyed a dark, non-dramatic color, made him conspicuous. Another lapse in tradecraft, Decker thought. Squinting from the bright afternoon sun, he followed McKittrick past the church of the Trinidad de Monte. Then down the Spanish steps to Spanish Square. Once famous for its flower sellers, the area was now occupied by street merchants, with their jewelry, ceramics, and paintings spread out before them. Ignoring the distractions, Decker kept after McKittrick, turning right past Bernini's boat fountain, shifting through the crowd, passing the house where Keats had died in 1821, and finally saw his quarry enter a cafe. Yet another mistaken trade craft, Decker thought. It was foolish to seek refuge in a place with so many people outside. Someone watching would be difficult to notice. Choosing a spot that was partially sheltered, Decker prepared himself for a wait. But again McKittrick came out sooner than expected. He had a woman with him. She was Italian in her early twenties, tall and slim, sensuous, with an oval face framed by short dark hair and sunglasses tilted on top of her head. She wore cowboy boots, tight jeans, and a red T-shirt that emphasized her breasts. Even from thirty yards away, Decker could tell she wasn't wearing a bra. McKittrick had his arm around her shoulders. She, in turn, had an arm around his hips, her thumb hooked into a back pocket of his slacks. They proceeded down the Via dei Condotti, took a shadowy side street on the right, paused on the steps of a building, kissed hungrily, then entered the building.